You're listening to Coleman Power on the Organic Fitness Podcast. All right, today's sponsors come from the likes of Fury's Fam. It is a natural energy drink that I have been trying now myself and most certainly would get you guys to most certainly try it yourselves and the whole point of it is it is something that is and does come from single ingredient foods it is an irish product and that is where we're trying to get more and more people to consume okay the best foods that naturally improve your energy the idea that the beetroot is able to improve your blood flow it also is high in antioxidants that can actually improve your cognitive function your brain function and in top of that also reduce wrinkles sales of beetroot juice theories farm Beetroot juice in particular, gone through the roof. All right, lads. Most certainly, but I don't want you just most certainly to take my word for it. I want you to try it. All right? Available at all local Super Value stores. If they don't have it, most certainly tell them to get it. Okay, enjoy this week's episode. All right, this is just a bit of a quick intro before we get into today's podcast, okay? And a bit of a heads up. With and leading towards the end of this uh, show, it most certainly is a small bit of technical difficulty, but don't worry about that. There's a lot of value provided in the likes of this uh, episode, and it was actually thunder and lightning. We're lucky enough to get most certainly Chad, the author of the likes of the book Toxic, discussing the likes of Monsanto's case and the effects of glyphosate. So, hope you enjoy this week's show. Stay tuned. All right, welcome to the latest of the Coleman Power Organic Fitness Podcast. I have my latest guest here in front of me, most certainly the likes of Chad. He is the author of The Likes of the Toxic Exposure, and most certainly I'm delighted to have him here on the show today. Chad, say welcome, and welcome me aboard and say hello to the listeners. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for inviting me, and I really appreciate being with you. Thank you so much, Coleman. Chad, I want you to most certainly tell, I suppose, us a little bit about, uh, maybe a little bit about your background, and then we can lead on to, I suppose, what information you have in relation to uh, your book that you're after writing. I'll have to say the first, before we start recording, that um, Ireland's one of my favorite countries in the world, because I shared with you, Coleman, that I did my pediatric relation, my pediatric rotation in Dublin when I was in medical school. So I'm a physician, I'm a hematologist and a medical oncologist. I basically specialize in cancer. I take care and took care of many cancer patients over the years, and specifically in a form of cancer called non-Hodgkin lymphoma, which is a form of cancer that involves the lymph glands and the immune system and the, and the bone marrow sometimes. So uh, that is what I do. Recently, I transitioned to do more research on molecular profiling and big data uh, with a company based here in the US. I have an MBA in healthcare management. I'm very interested in care delivery and how patients receive care and how they receive the treatment for their cancer or for healthcare. I'm also a podcaster. I host my podcast called Healthcare Unfiltered, which you can um, uh, listen to everywhere and you can watch on YouTube. And uh, as I've shared with you, I recently authored a book called Toxic Exposure, the true story behind the Monsanto trials and the search for justice. Foremost, I'm a doctor, cancer specialist, and care for people. Mm, I want you to tell listeners, right, who are Monsanto and what do they most certainly do? So Monsanto uh, is a company that has manufactured Roundup. Uh, Roundup is the... Um, herbicide that its main ingredient is glyphosate 
and it is the most used herbicide in the world. It came on the commercial market in 1974, was when first Monsanto actually started selling Roundup to the public. But what also happened in the mid-90s is what called the Roundup Revolution, or whatever you want to call it, because at that time, Monsanto introduced to the market Roundup-ready seeds. These are seeds that you can actually, that resist the killing properties of Roundup. So the farmers are able to spray Roundup to kill the weeds. At the same time, they can spray on the crops, on soybean, corn, everything, and they still harvest without any issues. Uh, just for your listeners, Monsanto was bought by Bayer in 2018. So Bayer now is the parent company of Monsanto since 2018, and this acquisition cost Bayer about north of $60 billion. And I suppose the idea that Roundup is one of those active ingredients found in the likes of glyphosate, the active ingredient found in Roundup as a result of that is literally used in so many different crops to speed up the harvesting process of wheat and pastas and all other, I suppose, major carbohydrates that ends up in, in most certainly our table and our food source that is causing so many different negative effects to people's gut health, which is, I suppose, a knock-on effect to why the majority of us are most certainly getting sicker and sicker. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think so. Uh, I uh, obviously, in my area of expertise, I specifically focused on cancer and on lymphoma. But honestly, I've read a lot of research and I've seen a lot of the potential negative side effects for everything else that we see. Uh, but I just want to clarify that this area is not my expertise per se, it's cancer and lymphoma. But I, I mean, there's so much, so many things have happened and it makes you wonder. And we should wonder, we should ask questions. Is the fact that this is being used all over, it's available in food, in diet, and everything we're doing, leading to some of the negative side effects, Coleman, that you alluded to? Mm. I suppose with the likes of your uh, book, The Chef, writing Toxic Exposure, what would suppose be something that you are emphasizing throughout that book that you could share with the listeners here today? Well, I mean, look, the, the book uh, depicts the story of three trials. The first three trials that ever went to court against Monsanto because of Roundup. These were patients that were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin lymphoma because of their heavy exposure to Roundup. And they took Monsanto to court. And as a lymphoma expert, I was asked by the lawyers that represented the patients to look at the literature, look at the evidence, and potentially testify on behalf of these patients. And that's exactly what I did. So what the book describes is the story of how we actually found out that, mon that uh, glyphosate is a probable carcinogen. Uh, because there was a report that came in from the WHO that looked at all of the evidence and said it's possible, it's a probable carcinogen. And after that, the lawsuits started piling on. So I, I have it's the story in the book about the first trial, the second trial, the third trial. But what I think is unique is I take the reader through what I discovered as I went through the process. I said from the get-go is I was not familiar with the impact of glyphosate on cancer and human health and on patients. So I was learning as I was actually being asked to look at the evidence. And what I learned was very compelling. Uh, 
that what we have in that Roundup, that glyphosate, is very problematic. We have a lot of health effects, in my opinion, beyond cancer, but obviously the lawsuits and the litigations were about cancer. I think your readers, the readers of the book and your listeners are going to find a lot of information that they probably were not aware of. Because it's one thing to tell somebody, the layman person, well, it's a bad thing. It's another thing is to take them through the process so they actually conclude as well that, yes, indeed, it is not helping. Yes, indeed, it is a problem. Yes, indeed, it is probably causing lymphoma in some patients who are exposed to it. On a regular basis. Right, so Chad, the point is, what is the solution? I suppose people mention about different problems that are out there and with glyphosate being a huge, huge, I suppose, issue with people using it on a regular basis to the likes of control, small periphery weeds, such as a dandelion, which actually have their own benefits, such as their uh, to our own health. But what is the solution? Yeah. Look, you hit the nail on the head. I think it is much easier to propose the problem, which we know. And one of the things that Monsanto and Bayer have argued that, you know, well, you know, Roundup is a great wheat killer. And obviously it does its job right, but we have to think of the trade-offs. Yes, it's a good wheat killer, but what could be the downstream damages and effects? My opinion on this is twofold. Uh, and you're probably more experienced in this in terms of nutrition and all of this than I am. One is I think we really should embrace organic consumption of food and how we can actually work on that. I think that's a healthier option if it's available. We have to be careful, Coleman, because sometimes people don't have access to, I mean, we, it's easy to propose these, but do people have access to that? It's not always easy. They could be more expensive and all of these things. The other thing, in my opinion, I think it's a big opportunity for entrepreneurs for companies, new companies that might actually come in and say, we are going to manufacture and create something safer. Is there an opportunity for somebody to come in there and, 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 and invent something that is not as problematic, conduct studies and actually bring to market something? I think people are hungry for this. I mean, we are saying that, you know, we need a safer product that we can use. So in the interim, my only solution is when you have ability to consume organic food, this is the way to go, I guess. I mean, I don't know what else we have a solution for this. We need to, in my opinion, we need to put a warning label on Roundup. People need to know. I mean, you can go and smoke five packs of cigarettes a day. You're free to do that, but at least you know the risks. And if people don't know the risks, we are not serving them, right? And my third solution is, you know, A, again, put a warning label, B, pull it from the market and bring in something in that's gonna be more safe or safer. Three, consume organic food. And four, where are the entrepreneurs, the companies, other people that come in? You would be disruptive in the market, actually. That's a disruptor. It's a huge, if you can find something. Yeah. No, I, I'd agree with you. And that point is, was that argument of organic food can be hard to find. Well, I wholeheartedly in for people growing a little bit of their own because the idea is if it's most certainly expensive, 
the idea is you can grow and most certainly a load and a huge amount of food from a packet of seeds, right? The most important fruit or vegetable to eat is the one you eat the most of. We should be eating more dark leafy greens in abundance. They contain so many different antioxidants, which neutralize free radicals, which also can help with the controlling of serious uh, autoimmune diseases and lymphoma and all those other different things. Those are not recommended enough. People are, I suppose, gone so, so far away from what real food is when glyphosate wasn't in an abundance before the likes of the, uh, the 90s and the 80s and go further back. The idea is real food comes from the ground and the idea that it doesn't need to be sprayed with these harsh chemicals. So many different, I suppose, opportunities for people to you know, go to a country market, to grow a little bit of their own. You can grow in pots if you can't have that opportunity either. The idea is the best thing you can possibly do is for your health is make that priority. So many people say they can't afford it, but also have the likes of an iPhone worth a thousand euro. You will buy a lot of food for a thousand euro. That's the God honest truth. If I said, someone Absolutely. said to me, Absolutely. It's it. priorities, isn't it? 100%. It's priorities. I agree with you. Yeah. So all the time, I suppose, doing your best to get the best type of foods into your diet, because most certainly food would and is and has been proven to be as effective as medicine. And that's what I would massively agree with you on that point. Yeah, I mean, also, if you start thinking about it, I mean, there are certain ailments and certain diseases and certain symptoms and things that we we are uncovering right now and people feeling right now, they did not exist 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Like, I think, you know, when you look even, I mean, in the United States, obesity is a big deal. I mean, you know, fitness, I mean, 36% to almost 40% of people are considered overweight in the United States. This was not the case 40 years ago. So what are we really doing? Is it possibly that the way we consume food and how it is actually being produced and, and sold to the public is not really the, the right way? I mean, I became very interested in this, but I think the way I look at things, Coleman, is there are short-term things that we need to do and long-term things we need to do. Number one, you hit the nail on the head again. Food is what you consume every day. Look at it investigate read do your best go to the you know to, to, to the farm uh, you know the, the market i mean just make sure you're really uh, doing your best uh, to do that and then set your priorities straight this is probably worth the extra spend that you need to do because it is your health ultimately and health is all what you have but the also i think it is important for governmental agencies to intervene so, for example, let me let me have you provocative thoughts. I have had people tell me, well, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, has said it's safe. EFSA, the European Food Authority, has said it's safe. Who are you to tell me it's not safe, right? So I think there's a, there's a responsibility for some of the governmental agencies that are in charge of educating the public, that they need to do a better job of looking at the evidence objectively, and they need to actually tell the public about this. Because you and I, I could say a lot of things, but these big authorities, they have a huge platform, and they tell people, we told you it's safe, nothing to worry about, and then people are going to do what they want. I think there is a responsibility that they need to adhere to. Yeah, you would be right in saying that. And going towards that point, we can look above 
but I most certainly would look at the same level as us, right? We are the people that literally eat these foods and vote with every food choice that we most certainly consume for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. If someone is, whether they're up here, higher than me, have, I suppose, a, a couple of letters in front of their name, the point is you decide with what foods that you eat. You know the taste is the difference. So getting people to literally get their foods that they know that is beneficial to them. Like this, I suppose, glyphosate didn't exist, as you said, 20 years ago. And the point is, we have diseases, we have ailments, we have so many people overweight. Now, 20 years looking into the future, that comes down to the foods that we're eating on a regular basis. We need to literally get back to real, I suppose, health. And that comes from the simple things. People are not doing the simple things. They are not consuming real foods. They are easily grabbing the likes of something that's highly processed, again, that has poor seed oils, that again would have most certainly an abundance of glyphosate in it. And it's the point that it's nearly impossible to avoid it because it's a water-soluble, most certainly toxin, that ends up in the water table that we're drinking, whether for breakfast or lunch or dinner, we should be drinking water, and or it's then applied out to the crops. So the thing is, we need to minimize it as much as we possibly can. And as a result of that, you do your best. And the idea is that when you make these better food choices, whether it's chemical-free or registered as organic, some people mightn't even uh, say that, oh, Coleman, I know an organic farmer that produces food and he sprayed something in his land. The idea is if you grow it yourself, you can take control of your foods. Absolutely. You know what, what, what your comment made me think of, Coleman, is no one is going to advocate for yourself more than you. Yeah. All of these authorities... They are not going to care about you more than what you care about yourself. So be your own self-advocate. Ask critical questions. Demand answers. And then when you are your own advocate, you are going to do the thing that is right for you. And, um, you know, I was naive when I first got involved in this litigation trial. And, and hopefully your listeners will get a chance to read that part of the book. But, you know, you would think, well, the EPA is the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. They are going to really look at things and they're going to watch out for me. Yeah. I think I was wrong. I think the EPA do get certain things right, but they got this one wrong in my opinion. And I take the reader through the process because at some point, by the way, the EPA did say that glyphosate is possibly oncogenic. And then somehow they changed their position without any clear data or information. Suddenly it became safe. So, and we know that's not true. Yeah. When money is involved, the idea is your opinion <laughs> can change very, very fast. And they, that's that's madness. And I don't know if you've seen that clip. It was someone who was involved with either Bear or Monsanto, what it might have been at the time. They, they said, yeah, I want you to say that glyphosate is safe. He said, it is safe. This is in recording. And your man handed him a glass of it across the table and said, would you like to take a drink of it? And he said, no, thank you. Just said it was safe. Would you drink it? He said, no, thank you. He said, you're telling me, you've just mentioned to all these viewers and listeners of this video that it's safe and you won't take a drink of it. No, this meeting is over. And that's what happened. That was recorded. Exactly. Exactly. I actually, it's, 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 it's funny you mentioned that because a lot of folks who work for Monsanto have always said, well, we always said it's safe to drink. And I've thought to myself, I think everybody in Monsanto company, they should drink glyphosate. If they think it's safe, put your, you know, you know, put, prove it to me and drink it. Yeah. No, and they won't. This is poison. And that's it. 
It's 100% poison. It's killing part of the plant that literally takes up the nutrients from the likes of the soil to the likes of the, the up the xylem and the phloem. And as a result of that, without that chikamanwe pathway, the idea is the plant can produce food for itself and then inevitably it dies. And if people are to tell me that that's safe, or, and then they might say, oh, Coleman, it actually is safe, but only in certain amounts. I tell them, I know what I want certain amounts of in my body, and it wouldn't be the likes of glyphosate or any amount of Roundup or glyphosate in my system. But, you know, you have to admit that I think Monsanto has done a very good job in public relations. They have they have a lot of defendants of, of them that even they're not employed by Monsanto. Like, you know, there are farmers who defend them and all of these things. And I don't know why. And I think we need, like your show and other shows, what you're doing is amazing. You're educating the public. You're alerting the public. You are letting them know what is going on because you are confronting a large agricultural behemoth that have a lot of resources and money and you know they have unmatched uh, ability to market certain things it is upon us to try to warn the public and let them know what is going on it's exactly why i wrote the book because i want more people to know about the harmful effect of glyphosate and about some of the elements that Monsanto did, such as ghostwriting. There's a lot of papers about ghostwriting. They, they, they interfere in academic writing that gets published in scientific journals without disclosing that they were involved in the writing. And all of these papers come out in the peer-reviewed literature about how safe glyphosate is. And there's a couple of chapters in the book where I talk about how the editor of the journal versus the publisher, they had to issue a statement of concern and then one person resigned because he was unhappy with it. I mean, there's a lot of shenanigans that happened there. Yeah, and I'm going to put this point out there. Uh, when I was writing my own book, the point is that you can get a peer-reviewed document to say absolutely anything, <laughs> to back up, and it depends on what way you look at it, right? I, I would have a master's degree myself in my back pocket and it's the thing that when you're writing your thesis or your dissertation at the final of the year if you're looking for something to be backed you can find it and yeah. and then you go right who the hell wrote that you go to the likes of the authors you see where it was funded and oh boy would you go it was funded by such and such and that makes much more sense because of that whether it's the dairy industry the meat industry the vegan plant-based go with uh, glyphosate is safe any of those areas that are i suppose heated topics at this moment in time they will and will be most certainly a peer review document. That is, I suppose, something that people uh, must uh, conform to if they're looking to say, oh, yeah, that's trusted, can be found in any which way you want to have an argument. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, I mean, honestly, I think being your own advocate and asking questions is important. At the end of the day, nobody's going to look out for you more than you look out for yourself. Um, and I always say, trust, but verify. You know, don't take everything face value. Ask critical questions. I mean, it, it's it's so important. Um, and I hope, I hope people continue to ask these questions. Uh, I loved your initial question, Coleman. I'm also curious of your thoughts about the alternative, right? You know, I mean, because we have... Whenever we come up with the problem, we have to propose a solution. I think one of the alternatives we talked about, you know, the organic food, growing things, all that stuff. So that's one. Okay. 
other alternatives like have you thought about additional alternatives additional solutions aside from this um that we could come out to people and tell them about and and and, and educate them about yeah well my my I suppose my area of expertise would be true food and nutrition the next one would be lifestyle okay lifestyle. Of, yeah lifestyle has got to be in a combination of it and that would be with exercise again with the likes of sunlight exposure and grounding would all be things that would help it certainly and sweating on a regular basis whether that's in a sauna or through exercise and the point is the minimum requirement of exercise whether you're my two-year-old niece or you're my 96-year-old granny that's walking okay you can get the hands swinging you can get a good sweat on you the idea is you're sweating out these toxins and on a regular basis you are doing this it's something that can again improve your overall health the idea that just i suppose food is one side of it and fitness is the other then lifestyle it ties the two and that would be, I suppose, the top point I would recommend either when you're growing your own or getting outside is getting your feet and your skin, most certainly touching the likes of the soil. That has been proven and most certainly is grounded, pardon the pun, in the likes of helping you to become a healthier, healthier individual. Okay, so glyphosate is most certainly a carcinogenic and would cause inflammation in the body. So counteracting with anti-inflammatory properties, and that would be grounding. That would be morning and evening sunlight. A lot of people talk about the sun being dangerous. Again, the danger is in the dose. That is one of those key things. Okay, without light, nothing but grow. So I would definitely recommend people do that on a more regular basis. And other things, uh, just to mention, would be herbs and spices. Okay, these have actually higher antioxidants than actually fruits and vegetables. Maybe up to tenfold the amount that any fruit or vegetable may give. So the ones that I would recommend for most people, that if they are growing or they can get really fresh, would be best. Dried is next. You have oregano. You would have the likes of, uh, you would have basil or basil. You would have then parsley. Those are the top three that I would highly recommend the people. We have rosemary and then we would have thyme. Those are five, my top five to add into any meal. You can add it into your breakfast. Organic oats is what I would recommend. You can mix those all around and gain advantage of, again, those antioxidants. Then I would go with maybe some turmeric. Turmeric, again, the darker the color, the higher the antioxidants. You add in that black pepper to incorporate in the likes of those beneficial properties. Then ginger, you can literally chop it up and pour it into a cup. Don't buy those fancy organic teas. Just buy the knob of ginger, which is literally like your thumb. Pop it into a cup, adding that boiling water. Again, something that's a healthy alternative to the likes of coffee, which again, most people don't get organic. And again, it comes from a bean, which then would have been sprayed because it has a long life cycle where it's sitting in the ground. These are the things that people don't see. And these are the simple things that will get more and more people to do as much as they possibly can. So those are definitely uh, the herbs uh, and spices in on top of that lifestyle of being outside. Because all things natural are most certainly going to improve your health. But to tell you one thing that's not most certainly natural is the likes of that glyphosate. These are such important, important tips that you actually provide uh, folks who are listening. Really, very, very, very nice. Uh, the the and uh, it's really interesting. You mentioned the antioxidants because one of the some of the research studies that were actually there were two things. Some of the research studies that were done have shown that glyphosate causes oxidative stress to the cell on the cellular level. This has been published, and it is hypothesized. It is one of the ways by which glyphosate exerts its and you know cancer activity uh, on the cell because it causes oxidative stress, it damages the DNA and all of that. And there has been actually some recent research, I think a few months back, that looked at 
uh, folks who have exposure to glyphosate and they took urine samples and they were able to find metabolites in the urine sample that represent oxidative stress. What does that tell you? It tells you that, you know, when folks are exposed to glyphosate, there's some inflammation and things happen in the body that leads to uh, these oxidants that actually end up damaging the cell and you can detect them in the urine. And it highlights that this is one of the ways possibly glyphosate causes damage to the cell. It also highlights your point of view, which is antioxidants, focusing on certain behaviors or medications that might have antioxidant properties might help people. Mm. And again, you just remind me of a couple of other different things that people can gain advantage of. Okay, things that are found in the Brassica family that I do recommend people to eat. Okay, it's an antioxidant called sulfurophane. It's able to neutralize those free radicals and the cancer cells. So if anybody's looking for most certainly to heal themselves with real food, that's the likes of broccoli, kale, okay, kohlrabi. And even one that people say, oh, cool, man, I don't have any space. I have all the solutions, okay? Microgreens. <laughs> You can grow them in 14 days, which is just two weeks, from the likes of either rocket, arugula, or people are calling it most certainly in the likes of America, and they're the same thing. They're from the likes of that brassica family, and from sowing a seed from harvest, it's 14 days on a warm windowsill where it gets the most amount of light. Where do I get? I don't have compost. Go out to the park where you see grass. Dig a tiny hole. All you'll need is a tiny little yogurt tub, and you are away in a hack. You would then fill it up to the top of your yogurt tub, sprinkle on your seeds. Where do I get seeds? If you don't have literally, if you don't have money for seeds, I'll give you two dollars. I'll give you two euros if you're short. And then again, you could leave a go to flower, save the seeds from that. It's a whole cycle that we're missing out on. But those are the antioxidants that are found in massively high concentrations, especially at the likes of a younger stage in the microgreen farm in the smaller, immature stage. So literally, you only leave them grow as tall as your thumb. For two weeks, you harvest. You pop it onto your, in, in the smoothie. You can put them into your salads on, on your lunch and or you can add them for your dinner. And those are something that, again, from the brassica type families. And they're all your kale, your Brussels sprouts as well. Another one that you can most certainly gain the advantage of. And kohlrabi, which is a German turnip. You can go with rocket or arugula and minsuna or tatsoi, pak choy, all these ones that people may have heard of and just listing a couple of them are things that you can literally grow yourself on a windowsill for the win. Yeah, that is. Th these are really, really important. I mean, I hope folks are really paying attention to all of these uh, things that you are mentioning and hopefully they are in taking notes because ultimately these are the alternatives. Your first question to me was, what is the alternative? You outlined the problem and what is the alternative and i think all of these are viable alternatives what's interesting if you go back to what happened in the litigation trials monsanto did win subsequent trials so the first three trials that i testified in we won and and that was the book was about but since then monsanto did win several trials in the united states but that is after they settled for over a hundred thousand patients with 11 billion dollars so as far as I'm concerned, if you ended up paying $11 billion, Coleman, you're probably guilty a little bit, no? I mean, I think <laughs> I think if you're that innocent, you probably would not pay $11 billion. Call me crazy, but that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would agree with you there. Look, we'd be on the same page that whatever amount that people are saying that it is 
okay and tolerable for the body to consume. And that's where Monsanto are coming from, right? It's always worth putting on the shoe on the other foot to see how it most certainly sits. And with me, I would rather not have any amount of glyphosate, whether it's a study to say this little amount, that little amount, tiny bit, it's minute, okay? We don't want it. It's not only causing negative effects to our health, it's also causing negative effects to the likes of the environment, okay? These weeds that they're killing and most certainly using to around periphery edges of fields are causing havoc with the likes of the bees. Bees are literally the future. Without the bees, I had someone on last week on my podcast talking about for every, I think it's fourth bite of food that we take, it's from a pollinator. So whether that's a bee, that's a wasp, that's an insect that we typically all things we don't see because the majority of people and even listeners of this podcast would sit inside, might be listening to it on a walk or more so sitting in, in, in their in their car. Again, they're not getting outside. You don't see these things. So this information is absolutely golden for people to realize, okay? It's not what we want going forward. We have to change what we're currently doing. We're getting sicker and sicker. And everyone here has most certainly been connected with someone who has either very close to them, whether they cancer or a neighbor or a very close relative. And the idea is it is something that is not good for us or the environment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the impact is, like you said, beyond just one thing. There's a lot of other things that people don't get exposed to that they get uh, that is affecting the environment. And it's people like you who are going to make a difference, Coleman. I mean, at the end of the day, you're educating people, providing solutions, and hoping that people are listening and taking notes, and they're really implementing some of the advices that you are proposing to counter some of the ailments that could occur from what they're doing. Yeah. A lot of people say I should be a politician. I said, God, I want to stay out of that game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, you won't be a very popular politician. You could be. But uh, I think that it is, you have, I, I think politicians, there, there's a reason why say, they say politics are dirty. And I'm pretty sure because of the lightning, that podcast has now officially shut down. Am I right in saying that? Is everything else shut off? I just have a funny feeling that that's what's after happening. And that. You're listening to Coleman Power on the Organic Fitness Podcast. <laughs>